This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show, and it's another day where we're discussing spring football, March 10th is the first day of uh, practice or camp um, of the season for the Ducks. Uh, less than two weeks away now. It's crazy to, to sound. We've discussed uh, quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and now on today's show, uh, we are going to dive into the offensive line, um, a unit that going into camp, I think I probably speak for all three of us. I hope I do. Um this is probably the the best unit on the team. Um, one that's the deepest, the one that's got the most experience, um, and one that I think, I'll say it just for myself, I think there's a couple NFL guys on this team. Um, 2022 will be a very important season for Oregon, and the offensive line will shoulder a lot of the workload. One that was in 2021 – the 13th best rushing uh, offense per average in the country. Um, and basically, Eric's going to go into who's back. Uh, the expectations should be that number goes up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we've talked a lot on these offensive podcasts about lack of continuity and like yes. how they have to. There's, it's everyone basically. I mean, George Moore is gone. That's a that's a significant departure. But your next seven, eight, nine guys are all back, including five guys who started more than eight games last year. I'll go from left to right on the offensive line. T.J. Bass, I think will he's back. I think he'll be the starting left tackle. Ryan Walk is back. I think he'll start at left guard again. Alex Forsyth is back. I think he's your starting center. Stephen Jones is back. I think he'll start at right guard. And Malasala Amave Lalu is back, and he'll start at right tackle. Um, how about that, Jared? That was maybe my that was best. Good. That was really good. Best big Sala ever. Uh, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for that. Uh, <laughs> I know those listening can tell me that it was terrible, but uh, I, that's the best I've ever done. So, uh, <laughs> and then and then it doesn't end there. Oregon has 16 total offensive linemen um, on the roster for 2022 right now. Um, and all but three of them are returners. Um, also back, and I'm going left to right again here for my two deep, which I know we'll get to later, but just because there's so many names to get through, I figured why not organize it kind of like this. Um, I have Jalen Jeffers, left tackle, Marcus Harper, left guard, Jackson Powers Johnson, center. And well, I know we've got to discuss if he's playing offense or defense. Um, that could kind of, you know, that's an interesting dynamic to consider. Um, Feope Lalu at uh, right guard and then Dawson Jaramillo at right tackle, all, all back, all guys who 
I think have a chance to play a decent amount. And if you have injuries, you feel pretty good about um, Powers Johnson and Yaramillo played a lot last year um, in, you know, in, in instances where they needed to replace players, but also just in kind of a rotation. And then before I toss it to Jared, I've got three more names to mention um, who are guys who are also back. Um, Jonathan Dennis, who you could probably make an argument deserves to be on that second line there, maybe over a Harper or a Feope. Um, But I don't know. It's kind of hard to, and maybe if, if Jackson Powers Johnson's playing defense, that, there's your backup center mm-hmm. or Harper's your backup center and Jonathan's your your left guard or something. Um, and then the other two are, are two players who redshirt didn't play at all last year because of injury, Jonah Miller and Bram Walden. So there it is. There's your 13 offensive line returners, a group that has 53 combined starts. Um, and frankly, as Matt said, I think is your, at least the group you feel most confident about right now going into spring ball is kind of your group that you're going to lean upon offensively. Oregon adds to their 13, bringing in three more offensive line recruits in the 2022 cycle. Uh, Kuiko Rogers, Michael Wooten, and Dave Ayuli. Um, all three of those guys signed with, with Lanning. Uh, Kuiko Rogers was probably the first, if not the second, player to commit to Dan Lanning in this in this new era of Oregon football. Uh, Dave Ayuli is the, the prized uh, recruit here. Uh, four-star consensus, you know, top 200 guy in the country. Um, came down to Oregon versus Miami in his recruiting uh, with, with Mario Cristobal um, down in Miami, but he ended up deciding on signing with Oregon. Um, so that was a big win for Oregon and Dan Lanning and new offensive line coach Adrian Clem. Uh, Clem comes over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been their offensive line coach for the past three seasons, I believe, in Pittsburgh. Um, the first draft pick of the Bill Belichick era in New oh. England. So. Patriot legend. Um, so Adrian Klum will have quite the shoes to fill uh, with Alex Mirabal and Coach Cristobal gone. You know, the offensive line was a strength at, at, for every year that Oregon had. Um, even 2020, where it seemed like a down year, they were still a good unit. Um, but, you know, just like Eric mentioned, there's, you know, 13 quality players on this offensive line group. Um, guys that if they get into the game, you wouldn't be surprised to see the, their names announced. Um, so these three guys and Rogers, Wooten, and Ayuli, they're going to have some tough sledding trying to get and break into this rotation. Um, I think Ayuli probably has the best chance as an interior offensive lineman, um, just because there's not as much of depth there. And at least on the starting offensive group, left tackle is clearly solidified with TJ Bass, um, Sala and that group at right tackle, um, Sala really came on down strong towards the end of the season and solidified himself as probably the starting right tackle going into 2022. But Ayuli has a couple guys in front of him with Dennis and Marcus Harper and uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. If he plays offense, if he's an offensive lineman this year, we'll get into that later. But uh, all in all, I think for this recruiting cycle, I think it was a good one for Oregon into their offensive line group. Obviously, you had five-star Kelvin Banks Jr. committed at one point, but he's at Texas now. Um, that's, you know, some of the losses that they got from losing Cristobal and Mirabal in their offensive line. But I think all in all, it's a solid group that's coming in. And um, just an eye on Michael Wooten. Um, he's mm-hmm. a three-star recruit, but he's really risen in the terms of, like, where he started when he committed to Oregon. I think he was ranked in, like, the 1100s for national recruits. And now he's sitting at 600 overall for the 24 seven sports composite. Just something to keep an eye on. He's a big body, six, six. He's that Mario Crystal type of mold that he wanted to bring in big guy athletic. Um, so hopefully the, the strength and the new strength and conditioning 
staff can, you know, get involved with him and potentially turn him into some tackle prospect. We should note that when Cristobal left for Miami, offensive line coach Alex Mirabal followed with him. I think it would have been understandable if some of the upperclassmen chose to go pro, if some of the underclassmen chose to transfer, whether that was to follow Cristobal or to go somewhere else because their position coach and their head coach who had an offensive line background left. That really didn't happen. Um, Logan Sagapalu is the only player to that was on scholarship to transfer out so far. Uh, he actually did go to Miami. Um, mm-hmm. Kai Arneson, uh, a guy that was a fan favorite of these two, uh, of, of Eric mm-hmm. and, and Jared, a guy that traveled quite a bit for Oregon. He got on scholarship at Nevada. So you understand that move. Uh, why walk out at Oregon when you could get a scholarship at another power at another division one school. Um, and Ken Wilson, Oregon's linebacker coach is uh, the head coach now at Nevada. A lot of walk-ons at Oregon have landed scholarships at Nevada. Um, so, but that's it. They, they really didn't see a mass exodus. And I think, I think it speaks volumes to uh, this team, Dan Lanning and the offensive line coach Adrian Clem and just the overall staff that the upperclassmen guys that had had they said at the end of the year I'm going pro everyone would have understood why everyone would have been at peace with it and yet they're coming back to Oregon for another season um I I think that speaks wonders to to the staff and to this program it puts them in a position where they should be really good. The offense, you know, I, I know there's a new quarterback. I knew there's a new system. Um, we kind of know who the front runners are to get this job, so we don't really need to spend much time there. But I think this elevates the the standard of the expectations from this group in 2022 with all these guys back. Doesn't it remind you a little of 19, where you had that yeah, whole yeah. group back on that Rose Bowl year, and it was the same kind of thing. You had five guys who started a lot of games. You had a couple of guys who were – pretty clearly capable of contributing as reserves, you know, and like a Brady Aiello who started a bunch of games through his career kind of has that same feel. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to, there's no Penny Sewell, so we won't compare that um, there. You know, there's no, there's no, I don't think there's a first round draft pick among this group, probably not even maybe a top three. I don't know. There's probably a couple of guys here, like a TJ Bass could maybe elevate himself into like a mid round yeah. guy. I don't know if there's the ceiling for much else um, amongst the guys who are going to start. I also wanted to say like, Matt, you, I think, appropriately gave credit to the new staff. I think a lot of credit should probably also go just to the, the, the five guys that are that came back in terms of, like, wanting to be here and the care factor. And I don't want to say um, that everyone – that the other guys are followers, but, like, I think Ryan Walk and Alex Forsyth, a couple of in-state kids who really care about this program, have really um, kind of together elevated their own play to become starters and work together – I'd imagine there were a lot of conversations behind closed doors between those two and the other three and shoot even like a, you know, it'd be a Dasar Armillo who I imagine if he would have gone to Miami, probably have a chance to start. Like Dawson's going to not start at Oregon this year. And he would have, I would imagine he goes elsewhere. He's got a chance, to, a really chance to start. Cause I thought he came on really strong and arguably was one of their best five offensive linemen at times in 2021. So, um, but another in-state kid who clearly wanted to stick around his brother Bailey's a, a, a I think a red shirt sophomore now. Um, so there's just, I think the in-state factor actually really kind of paid off for Oregon. You think three of their top six or seven guys are kids from the state. You know, Ryan Walk is from Sheldon High School just down the road from Watson. So um, I think that part stands out as well. But regardless of 
exactly how this came on behind the scenes, it is a huge credit to just the just the collective group and the staff for, for making this happen. Because as Matt said, like these guys could have been pulled in a lot of different directions. There would have been opportunities to, I'm sure, go and play at Miami, go play at other schools, go pro for a couple of these guys. And, and yet they're all back. And like I said, I think you can draw some similarities to 2019 where you now have got a group that's been together for a couple of years as starters and and you hope their final year together is really special like it was for that 19 team. Oh, certainly, yeah. And, and like Matt opened the podcast with and saying that this is the, the deepest and most talented group on, on Oregon's roster, I, I have to agree. Um, you really have seven, eight, nine guys who at least I would be comfortable seeing play. Um, and you have Dawson Jaramillo, who's the best, like he's a six man basically for this offensive line. And he came in all the time last year against Ohio State, against whoever it was, and played really well. And to have those type of players, you know, coming off the pine and giving them the opportunity for their, their starting five to get some rest, whatever the case may be, that's that's impressive. A lot of schools don't have that. And there are a lot of guys, just like Eric was mentioning, how, you know, if they decided to transfer somewhere else, they would have a legitimate start or legitimate, legitimate chance at starting at other Power Five schools. And so Oregon, with, with this offensive line, they don't have to worry about that. And not worrying about your offensive line is something that is really significant in football, whether at the professional or college level, because that provides stability for your offense in general. Your quarterback doesn't have to really worry about, you know, who's coming off the edge and who's going to hit me in my back because I don't really trust my left tackle or I don't trust my right tackle if I'm a lefty. Um, for Oregon to have a solidified left tackle in TJ Bass, and a solidified right tackle and, and Sala and this offensive line and Alex Forsyth is we all know going into the season, like that's going to be your starting center. Um, that's huge for the offense. They know exactly what they're going to get day in, day out from this group. And that's exactly what they got last year too. And that's why their rushing attack, like Matt mentioned, was 13th in the country because they knew every game this group was going to perform. And there are not a lot of defensive fronts that are going to push this group around. Um, I will be so very interested to see how they perform against Georgia because that's a team that this offensive line has not gone against. And those are athletes. Those are bodies that are very different from what they see in the PAC 12. Um, it, it'll again, it'll be similar to that 2019 when they went against Auburn because that was full of a lot of bodies and types of players that they had not seen before, but they held their ground and I would expect with the chemistry and camaraderie of this of this unit, I'd expect them to to do well, to hold their ground and, and kind of push back. So this is honestly one of my most exciting groups to watch going into spring camp and then obviously going into football season. Um, and I'm just looking to see if somebody on the bench makes a push at you know starting at right guard or left guard because that's been the narrative the last two years of who's going to take Ryan Walk's position, even though he has proved it for – two years now that he deserves to start at whatever position he's going at. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss some things that we're looking to see play out during spring ball um, and some questions that we have with this position unit. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Uh, talking offensive line here, wrapping up. Uh, the offensive side of the football for our spring previews. And guys, I, I think before we dive into um, our, our three questions going in um, to spring football, I, I want to pose a question here. Um, 
how solid do you think? I, I think we all in an agreement that Bass, Sala, Jones, Forsyth, Walk, they're I, I think we're all in agreement that those are the, probably the five that start. I wonder, do is it as as it as just hey, Bass is your left tackle, Saul is your right tackle, Jones and Walk are your guards, and Forsyth is your center. Or could we see because Sala can play guard and tackle, because Jones can play guard and tackle, and because Bass has shown that he can play guard and tackle, I kind of wonder is it is maybe the question not who's the starting five, but where do these five guys start at? That's maybe one of the questions going into spring football. That was my, my question, Matt. And it's the, I think it's the one you have to start with because every single one of these guys has played different spots besides Forsyth the last two years, like literally. And and some of them have played, I mean, TJ Bass played left and right guard, I believe last in, in 2020 and last yeah. year, left guard, left tackle. I mean, Malasala's played on the right side, right guard, right tackle. I think Jones has played, left tackle in spring. I mean, all these guys have moved around a ton. Wyron Walk played center last year for three games. Um, there's Dawson Jarmillo's capable of playing, I think, every spot on the line, supposedly. So, I mean, there is so much positional versatility, and now you've got new eyes on the group with Clem here. Maybe he looks around and goes, okay, these are our best five, but I actually think Stephen Jones projects as a better left tackle than than TJ Bass does, so I'm going to make that move. And I actually think Ryan Walk's a better center than Alex Forsythe. I mean, these are all hypotheticals, but I could totally see something like that happening. And that's, to me, I mean, jumping ahead on my question, that was my big question is, like, could we see, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, I guess the deck shuffled and and, and kind of, you know, you put out your whole cards and maybe things kind of look a little different. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some of that. I, I guess – the question I would also have is, is could they see new eyes on like a Dawson Jaramillo or, or a Jackson yeah. Charles Johnson to have them kind of enter this conversation potentially? I mean, I don't think you can write that off either. I think you've got seven guys who, like, I think I feel really confident with the five we've mentioned being your starters. Cause those guys again have like 50 something combined starts just in the last year. Um, but I, I could see both those guys are pretty talented, maybe creating some real competition and we get through spring practice. And one of the thing, one of the talking points as we get into the spring game is, we actually have seven or eight guys we think are capable of starting, and it's not as set and you know cut and dry as we thought it was coming in, where we thought we had five guys and it was you know left to right whatever we just said. So um, I think that's a real legitimate question, Matt, and that's my big one going in. My question going into that segment was going to be something similar. It was basically just, are we done with the hockey line shifts? Yeah. Is that like are we still going to do this? Um, because I thought that was. One of the stranger things that I've seen from an offensive line group um, for basically all of the season, I think it kind of solidified itself when Oregon's offensive line had enough injuries where they couldn't really go back and forth between people. But, you know, it would be two drives of this five and then two drives of another five and then two drives of a different five. It was – I never understood it. And I I don't think we ever got a clear enough explanation from either Cristobal or Mirabal as to why it makes any sense. Um, I would, I mean, I don't know anything, but I would anticipate that not happening again, um, just because that doesn't happen in general. So I think once, I think it'll happen during spring camp just to see what's going on, just for all the reasons that you guys just outlined, where they've had a lot of guys play a lot of different positions and even their guys on the bench with Jaramillo and Powers Johnson, they can all play different positions as well. I mean, Powers Johnson can play defense at a collegiate level, so that's pretty interesting. 
But I think that Clem is going to have, honestly, fun in, in learning what these guys can do at different positions. Plus, you still have Marcus Harper, who's a, a talented offensive line prospect in his own right, a center or guard. You have Jonathan Dennis, who was on the two deep um, before he was injured last season. So if he's come back, come back and he's fully healthy, I expect him to make some sort of push at somebody's position. And for Agent Clem, Eric, like you said, it's new eyes. He could see somebody and see a lot more talent in them than the old staff did, or he could see somebody and not see as much talent as the old staff did. And so that'll be, you know, really interesting to watch in spring ball just to see where everybody lines up, who's who, who's a new guy who's making an impact. Maybe Ayuli comes in, maybe Wooten comes in and makes an impact at the tackle position. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of unanswered questions here, but they're not any bad ones. It's not like, well, yeah. they don't have a left tackle, so I, who the heck is going to come up and play for them? It's like, well, you know, we have some time to experiment and see if you can get something perfect rather than just really good. So it's – but, Matt, to go off of your point, that's a very fair question of just, you know, who's, who's playing where? And, you know, I think that will be answered mildly early in the spring ball, but something that, they'll, that the staff should have some fun with. Yeah, Jerry, I think you put it perfectly, like, they have questions, but none of them are of concern. It, it, it's all, no. it, it, it's all just positional mixing and matching and finding and fine tuning your best five. And that's when you know you're in a really good place when you don't have any real major concerns. I mean, think about like running back or receiver. We've talked about on this podcast mm-hmm. where. It's we've got confidence in the in the starters, but who's backing them up? Do they have the depth? Like the offensive line, we have confidence in their starters. We've seen reserves play key moments to, to the point where if an injury happens, we know they've got the position versatility and the depth to withstand it and still maintain uh, an elite unit. So you know, I, I just think this the sky is the limit for this for this unit. Um, for me, for spring ball. Um, you guys touched on a couple of the of the points I wanted to make. Where does Jackson Powers Johnson play? Offense, defense. Dan Lanning said uh, at a signing day event that he would be starting on defense. Um, that was news at the time that the Jackson Powers Johnson. We don't know if they were both kidding or not, but uh, that's what we do know as of now. But the health. I think there's two players that could really impact some of the questions about who fits where. And maybe it's a second team discussion, but Ryan walks health for spring ball. Uh, will he be ready to go? And if he is, that's that's huge news for Oregon. Uh, if he's not, that presents an opportunity for someone maybe like a, a Marcus Harper, uh, maybe a Dawson Jaramillo to push their way into the discussion of being a starter. And then secondly, Jonathan Dennis, his status, because this is a player that going into the fall of 2021 – um, he was supposed to be one of the young guys that would push his way into the rotation. And everything we had heard about Jonathan Dennis was he was a really good prospect, had had turned the corner and things were going at a high clip for him. Uh, then he got hurt, was lost for the season. Will he be available? And what is his just, I guess, skill status like right now? Is he going to be just – like a bike picking it up and, and as if he'd never left and, and right back in the mix, or is he going to need some time? I, I think those are two questions I'm looking at. And then 
another one is just Bram Walden and Jonah Miller were two players that came to Oregon highly regarded. Um, and both of them suffered injuries were out all of 2021. Those are guys that should be healthy now. Um, should be ready to go. How, how quickly can they adapt and get themselves back into the mix here? Yeah, on Dennis, just a thought here that I had, because I think it's a great one. And, you know, I, I, I think we probably, I kind of, I probably overlooked him a little bit, but like he's from Florida. Yeah. The coaches who recruited him are now coaching in Florida. He could very easily have taken off and followed them. In fact, I think at one point we kind of expected he would. Um, the fact that he stuck around to me signifies a, he clearly likes it out here and is enjoying his time and his, you know, his, his two years have been significant enough, even though one was a COVID year for him to feel like he's, this is home. And the other part is I, I imagine he feels like he has a legitimate chance to play because if he didn't think he could play, it would be really easy to transfer back to Miami. Yep. You know, that's not exactly his hometown, but like back to his home state and finish his career out there um, with probably equal or better chance of starting. So I imagine Dennis is feeling pretty decent about things. Um, we've already spoken a little bit Jackson Powers Johnson. We've spoken a little bit about Walk. I, I don't know if there's much more to add. I do think on the Miller-Walden part, I think those are also good names to mention, That I'm happy you brought that up. Miller, I'm really curious to see how his body looks. I mean, yeah. he, I mean he looked like a tight end last last fall. He, I think, was dealing with mm -hmm. something that made forced him to lose a lot of weight. I mean, he looked like he was 6'6", 250, 260 at most. Um does he have the, has he put on enough weight to really actually have a chance to com contribute or is that still a, another year away prospect? Walden is one where you remember that, that recruiting class I and mean, he was a big time recruit and was expected to come in and kind of challenge or, or maybe, I don't know, he wasn't going to play a lot, but maybe contribute to be in this conversation as a reserve interior guy. And he missed the whole season with injury. Um, what, what's his status? I think that's another one to mention. And again, we talk about the depth here. Um, you know, I, I had my starting off five offensive line, my second string offensive line, and then my three returners were Dennis Mil Miller and Walden were three guys. I didn't kind of know if they would be in that, that second unit. I think like all 13 of those guys, maybe Miller being the lone exception, maybe there's just 12 because I'm, I'm concerned about how he's looked physically. Maybe you've got, I got 12 guys that I think you could legitimately be like, there's, there's reason to think they could contribute in some capacity mm -hmm. early enough that you go into spring thinking, Hey, I'm not going to be stunned if, if if these guys all come out with some sort of praise where you feel like, hey, actually, Bram Walden could be in the two deep come the start of fall, or hey, John, Jonathan Dennis may actually be the backup center or the backup left guard. So I, I think I, I'm happy, Matt, you kind of brought those two up because we kind of overlooked that group of players. Which again, I think the depth here is pretty special, even when a lot of these guys haven't played yet. So I kind of already talked about my question earlier, but I'll kind of I'll wing it just a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to go into the spring game looking at who's the offensive guard who plays well that people start clamoring to take over for Ryan Walk. And yeah. we'll, we'll just – we'll kind of go from there. You know, it could be a Harper. It could be a Dennis. It could be Walden if he decides – if Oregon staff decides he's a better interior offensive lineman. He was recruited as a tackle. A little short for a tackle. I think he's listed at like 6'4", 6'5", which is quite tall. But – I guess not for an offensive tackle, but um, I think there's going to be real legitimate competition and it could be from Jackson Powers Johnson. If he ultimately moves to the offensive line, um, I've been on record multiple times saying this, but I love Jackson Powers Johnson's game. Uh, whenever he filled in for an injury or just, it was his turn in the rotation and the line changes. Um, 
he, he played really well. Um, I like him more as a center than I do as a guard, but that's just a personal preference. But regardless, he plays the game so hard, and I think he could be an impact on any offensive line that he goes to. Um, so it could be him. But, you know, also on the flip side, Ryan walks pretty damn good. And, yeah. you know, we saw some of the holes that he could create against Ohio State. We saw some of the holes that he made as a center against you know, Washington before he was injured and the games before that. Um, you know, being able to take over for Alex Forsyth, who went down with an injury, he was a multi-year uh, starter at center. Um, for there to be basically no issues and, and drop off in production and, you know, the running game was still there, now that's really impressive for a, a former walk-on. And, you know, so walk has solidified his place, but – there's always going to be somebody who comes in as a competitor who makes things interesting. And maybe it's not Ryan Walk's position that's actually interesting. Maybe it's left tackle. Maybe Brand Wallen is 100% and starts living up to this top 100 recruit that he was. And maybe Sala and TJ Bass, who are you know NFL draft prospects, maybe they get pushed by this guy. Um, so I think overall, just really looking to see the positional battles and – um, you know, who steps up and in, in what position. But then again, it, you know, it could all be for not. And this five that we have decided is, you know, the ideal starting five has just solidified themselves that much that nobody's coming close. And maybe then we see a little more of an exodus from the program. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, next preview will be out shortly and it will focus on the defensive line. We'll be shifting over to that defense. So if you want to catch up, we've got podcasts on quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, and now the offensive line. Uh, full features on the offensive line are also up on duckterritory.com, so make sure to check that out as well. Uh, and until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.